0: From the Vegas Golden Knights, this is SLGND. I'm Dan Duva. It's our 100th episode, and to celebrate, we bring the show to the D Hotel, an on-location recording at Bar Canada. Vegas defenseman Zach Whitecloud is our featured guest. Then we hear from VP of Operations at the D, Mike Palm. And we close things out with, of course, trade deadline talk. Zach Whitecloud became a staple in the Vegas lineup Halfway through year three, the 1920 season, he's played over 200 games for the Knights, regular season and playoffs included. Fourth
1: man, Whitecloud shoots, he scores!
0: Zach Whitecloud! The four-check creates another goal for the Knights! Down the right board, centered shot, they score! The ever-patient Zach Whitecloud! Today, he shares his greatest memories with Vegas, but he also brings us back to his start in hockey, his indigenous Canadian roots, right through his college career at Bemidji State and signing his first pro contract in the spring of 2018. From game day routines to advice from Ryan Reeves, new teammates to note taking, Zach brings us inside his world and his approach to life in the NHL. Here's Zach Whitecloud with me, Shane, Gary and Dave.
2: And we are happy to be joined by the Golden Knight, Zach Whitecloud. We are doing the uh, Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast from Bar Canada here at the D Hotel. So we haven't done one of these guys. We, we used to do this in Andiamo, right? Yeah. Chain like, Table for four, corner booth. And then the COVID happened. And then all that stuff went right down the drain. So we haven't done one of these remotely in, I don't know, three years? Three years? Yeah, this is like our podcast like
0: home for a long yeah. time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then it wasn't for a long time. Yeah. But now we're back. You know, they put out a press release for this. They said this is our the 100th episode of this. I, I had no idea we, had no, you know, 100 of these? Like, we still on. have
3: no
4: merch. Oh, no, there's
2: still no merch. Gary
4: was supposed to get on Gary there. was no, supposed to listen.
2: have a, no, a nice T-shirt, no. maybe a hat this would be a the, nice touch.
4: This is the Century Club. Not like the one you did in university, Dave.
2: No, oh. Yeah, yeah, not that one. No. At least we have a God, logo no. now. We used to not have a logo. We have a couple of logos, yeah. which are yeah. nice. But yeah. anyways... Uh, Uh, What uh, better place to celebrate the 100th episode of this thing than right here at Bar Canada. Our great friends at the D Hotel, we're happy to be joined by Zach Whitecloud. Zach, um, it's kind of an interesting time, I would think, for players. As we sit here taping this, we're uh, pretty much at the trade, about 24 hours from the trade deadline. What's it like in the locker room day to day? Do you pay attention? Do you not pay attention? How do you handle it?
5: Yeah, I think... uh you know, it's obviously a tough time for for a lot of guys, and I think obviously Shane can attest to that. Yeah. It's um, it's a little nerve-wracking at times, obviously, and um, you know, especially for this year, where we're, we're uh, you know trying to add to our team and and uh, obviously bringing in guys like like uh, Quick and and, and uh, Teddy and Barbie, so um, you know, adding to our forward depth and, and our goaltending there, and um, you know, we obviously never want to see friends and, and uh, you know, guys that you've played with for a long time leave. Um, but that's, you know, that's part of the business and trying to, you know, make your team better and everything, right? So, um, you know, we're trying to make a push. And, you know, obviously at that time of the year where, like you said, 24 hours to the to the deadline, it gets a little uh, obviously nerve-wracking. You could see faces coming in or faces leaving, right? So, um, but I think every one of us understands that that's part of the game. And, and uh, uh, if you want to make your team better, that's you know, that's the price that, you know, guys pay. So, how much
3: energy, or I, I know Bruce Cass used the word, juice does it bring to the locker room when you do add players like that? You know, you're getting to that time. The excitement that once trade deadline passes, it's like the league. It's it's another level of play. It steps up. Uh, but how much is excitement does it to add these guys? A guy like Barbershev, you mentioned, Bluger, and as we just heard, uh, Jonathan Quick, a veteran guy, that uh, coming in the room that's won before.
5: Yeah, it's a huge, uh, you know, it's almost like a jolt, like a jump, right? You, yeah. you see these guys coming in where... You know, you got Quickie who's, you know, won two cups, you know, along with, you know, Marty who was there that's been on our team for a while. Um, you look at the pedigree we have throughout our lineup. You know, you bring in Ivan Barbashev who went on a cup run with Petro. Yeah. Uh, they've been there. They've experienced that. They know what the ups and downs feel like. They know what winning feels like. They know what losing feels like. And they know just how hard it is to get that far, right? So uh, I think any time you can have those guys in your lineup, and to speak on that experience and to help prepare guys. Um, like you said, once you you know, once that season ends and you know the playoffs start, it's a whole nother game. Yeah. And I was just talking about it with someone, I forget who it was, but I was just lightly talking about it, how different the playoffs feel. And from regular season, you know, you're trying to you get to this point in the season where, you know, teams are clawing and scratching for You know that extra two points to get jump above one another and try and create that gap where you're heading into that final stretch to give yourself a little bit of breathing room right and we're already we're playing playoff games right now like for anyone that saw that game last night that was a playoff game the one against dallas was a playoff game we came out on the wrong side of that one but you know those games can go either way and just one tiny mistake makes a huge difference and that's literally the definition of playoffs any single mistake can switch a series switch a game and you know that's what we all play for that's the feeling the rush we all play for is getting to those moments where you're stressed out and anything can happen either way and that's why you play the game yeah. you know what i mean that's where you get that rush from so to have guys like i could go down the list and <laughs> now you got quick you got Barbashev, petro marty guys that have gone through those scenarios have felt those feelings mm-hmm. and have you know know what it's like to win a cup it uh it does nothing but help our group substantially, right? We try
2: to forget that Chandler Stevenson won a cup, too, because of where he won <laughs> it. That's right. That's, uh, hopefully he doesn't listen to this podcast. What changes, though? You said how different it is. Well, you know, you You've been to two conference finals. Mm-hmm. What changes between regular season game 82 and playoff game number one?
5: There's a lot. I mean, especially as a player, right? It might be different as as coaches or, or management and how you know, they feel how playoffs are, but in terms of you know being a player, you know the first thing is everything kind of goes. The whistles get put away. Um, the refs let the guys play, and you know the whole point of playoffs is getting under each other's skin. And you know you're not just playing one game, two games, right? You're you're playing you know five, six, seven games, and uh, you're trying to wear down the other team's best players, different lines. You're trying to match up different lines. You're trying to match up D pairs. You're trying to wear down goalies. Those all those sorts of things, right? Um, the pace of play picks up the physicality picks up the way guys get under each other's skin picks up that stuff becomes more I think fine-tuned than it does in the regular season and it becomes more of an actual factor. I think um, and from just from you know my experience the way that Teams bring pressure and you know everyone's amped up every single night, right? And uh, you know all four lines are, are rolling and you know everyone's got something to play for and um, you know, that's the time of the year that, you know, growing up as a kid playing hockey, that's, those are the moments you, you live for, right? It's nerve-wracking as heck, but it's, uh, there's no other feeling than, you know, winning a playoff series. And, you know, like the one we went through a couple of years back against Minnesota where we went to Game 7, there's, there's, there's nothing uh, quite like that feeling of coming out on top of a series where, you know, you take it, some game, some series you have to take it four games, some, some go seven. It doesn't matter how you get it done as long as you get it done, right? So um, it's just a whole nother, whole other season.
0: Building to this point, Zach. This is coming up on the final 21 games of the season. You've been building, you, know, you talk about not just this year going back several years, new head coach, teammates that you have, you've been building to this point. Now all of a sudden you've got three new components. How do you think about integrating those players into the room so that they don't have to catch up, it seems, because they haven't been around for all of that building that has gone on over the last several months?
5: Right. And I think that's our job as a group. We're we've been you know, we're an older group in that locker room, right? Where, um, you know, we've we've had experience, I think we don't have a ton of young guys, right? So I think we've all had experience where we've had new guys come into a room before, guys leave. Um, and it's our job to make sure that they feel comfortable and that they feel they're in a spot to go out there and help the team win right away, right? And you know, all the guys that are coming in they're they're NHL hockey players are going to adjust that's what we do we adjust right and we adapt and uh, you know they're going to be just fine I think our barbies you know first few games he we went out there and played 17 18 minutes a night and you know did a did a great job for us and you know just seeing his game kind of progress you know for the through the first two games right is is uh, you know exciting on for my eyes to to see what kind of game he has and, and what he brings to the team and um so it uh no I think it's on us as a group to help make sure that they they feel comfortable, right, and that they're um, coming in and playing confident and all those sorts of things, and uh, making them feel like family.
0: It doesn't hurt that the organization puts a premium on personality and character.
5: Right. It's uh, good people first, hockey players second, right? So that's how it's always been since uh, you know since I since I joined the team the first year. I think that's you know something that's um, you know bred into our, our our pedigree is that you know we we have good people in the locker room good people in the organization that take care of one another and um usually when you have those steps taken care of the hockey takes care of itself
4: we know your heritage is important to you let's take you back to your childhood when did you realize you were a native canadian and when did when did that start to mean something to you
5: that's a great question. I, I played on some, some minor hockey teams growing up with my home community of, of Sioux Valley, just uh, 20 minutes west of Brandon. Is that a reserve? That's my home reserve, yeah. Sioux Valley Dakota Nation, it's called. Um, 20 minutes west of Brandon. So I, I grew up in Brandon for, for my entire life, and then uh, I played on the minor hockey team, which my dad helped coach quite often. Um, so then I, I played there around from age 6 to 9 or 10 years old, and then once uh, the travel hockey started becoming more of a factor. That's when it really started to come into play was when I was growing up, when uh, <laughs> you started paying a lot more money to, to go out and play these tournaments, right? And in uh, North Dakota and, and uh, Minnesota and all these sorts of places, right? So um, slowly moved away from, from my home community team and, and uh, uh, went into the travel teams. And then we always had a uh, couple winter tournaments during the year where I was allowed to, to leave that team and go play with my home community and, and play with my friends from there. Um, so that was always good. Um, but uh, it's a, it's a huge part of my life, right? And I think it became more prominent when you know I got to college, where I went to Bemidji State, and, and there was a, a large population of, of reserves around that area who um, I, I don't think had really been connected to the team uh, a ton before that. Uh, and having a, you know Joel Aldo was a, a Native American player that played there too, right? So um, Joel
4: Otto's a Native American.
5: Or sorry, Gary Sargent. Okay. Gary, Gary Sargent. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. It's okay. And um, so they, and not that I know of, there weren't many uh, First Nations players before then, right? So I think you know having that con- connection to the community uh, was able to um, you know get out and you know get uh, interact with the reserves locally, right? So that was a big part, a uh, big stepping stone for me was kind of getting out into different communities and, and meeting new people. Uh, meeting people from different backgrounds, those sorts of things, right?
4: For someone who doesn't has never seen one or been on one, what's a reserve like?
5: Uh, in, you know, a lot have you know different uh, you know communities. Whether it's uh, you know hockey or sports facilities, a lot have their own schools, right? Um, for my own community, we're a self-governed uh, community, so um, you know, chief in our our council system. Uh, looks after a lot of the funds, makes sure that you know different areas of the reserve are taken care of, um, whether it's housing schooling education all those sorts of things sports uh, when I was growing up, my reservation was uh you know I was lucky enough to to have financial support for my for my community to you know be able to trade, pay for those uh, uh hockey fees whenever it was traveling and all those sorts of things right and so your, of, your
4: band would give you some money every year
5: yeah well, my parents obviously would they would help out okay. and um you know obviously. With where I'm at now, um, it uh, you know hockey's a tough sport to have access to, right? You know ice is expensive, equipment's expensive, uh, traveling's expensive. Everyone travels now. You know a lot of people, even some of the guys, uh, kids on the team, you know have to fly for tournaments and things like that. And that was never something I grew up with, right? So um, you know hockey's moving in a direction where it's it's uh, you know a lot more travel, uh, you know more expenses, right? So when I was growing up, I was I was fortunate to have that support. Uh, not only from my parents, but from my community as well.
4: And Shane is obviously from Manitoba as well, Nipoa huh? Did you experience, uh, did you play with Native kids as well? Absolutely,
3: all throughout. I think you know it's a common thing in Canada that you, you play there, and also I played a lot of my junior hockey in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, which is, uh, we, we had a lot uh, of Native teammates, uh, played against teams growing up, and uh, that was part of it, uh, you know, I think back, it was, it was a normal circumstance for us then. It was, you know, you didn't think anything more than that. You're just yeah. playing a hockey team. So, yeah. I think it was great. And it's, it's great that Zach came from there. And I think that speaks of, you know, his ability. And it's great that he, you still recognize, or you're not still recognize, you've always recognized it. I know you're still a big supporter when you go home and everything. And I just wanted you kind of took an unconventional route to the NHL. And, you know, when did you know? Because you, you weren't, you know, the drafted, developed, whatever. You went to Bemidji, as you said, free yep. agent played Manitoba Junior. I've been there a long time before you. Um, but was there a time when it clicked in your head that, yeah, I can I can extend this and make something of it?
5: There wasn't really any moment, I don't think. You know, not even my first NHL game. What was it, 2018, I think yeah. it was? Yeah. Was it 2018? Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't even think it was then. It was... I've always... Every level I've moved to, I've always been fighting for a spot. I've never had... Um, I've never been told leaving a season, you have a spot here next year. You're guaranteed to have a spot (laughs) in there. So I've I've always trained. I've always and it's not because I wanted to, it's because I had to. I've always had the mentality that you got to go in and earn your spot. And I think, you know, a lot of that is still ingrained in me today where um, I don't take my lineup spot for granted because that can be taken away instantly. It's a perform or you're out league, right? you know, so I think having those experiences and growing up, not getting drafted, not being you know, the first D-man on a team, the second or third, um, not being the guy, yeah. I think you know, helped me develop an attitude where you got to go in every single season and then once you get into the season, hold your spot in the lineup. Yeah. And it was that way in college. I was always scared to you know, miss a game because I played bad. You know, so I, I tried to make sure that I took care of myself away from the ring, make sure my schooling was intact. Um, and usually, once you're, you know, when your life and you'll know when your life's uh, taken care of away from the rink. Usually, stuff at the ring takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that's what I, I try to do every single day. And and, and you know, even even now, obviously we uh, we have a group of seven back there that you know can go into any situation and play right. So um, you know, I've always had that mentality. And and, uh, and it's not so much a chip on my shoulder. I think it's just it's just a sense of pride I have in my game where. You know, I want to make sure that I'm good for my teammates every single night because we're all pulling in the same direction here where we're trying to win a Stanley Cup and, you know, bring this thing to Vegas, right? And, and uh, individuals take responsibility in certain ways. And, and you know, I hold myself to, to high standards and I, I take a lot of pride in, in what I do for the team and, and making sure that I come every single night to, to give you know, the team a chance to win. So,
2: so Zach Whitecloud joining us here at SLGND, Tell me about playing for the Verdon Oil Capitals. In the Manitoba Junior League. I'm, li- I'm staring yeah, at your say, hockey DP page. Did you read DP it properly? I-, I think so. You tell yeah. me if I didn't. Yeah, I'm that's, staring that's at perfect. i your hockey DP page. Tell yeah. me about that experience.
5: 2014-15. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that was eight you, years ago now. You were a um,
2: kid? You were just a kid?
5: Yeah. It's uh, So I played, uh, what's it called, Manitoba now? Is it U18 now? It's not AAA. It's a, uh, oh, the
3: AAA, yeah. Uh, it's probably U18, AAA. U18, right? Yeah.
5: Um, yeah, I didn't want to say anything wrong yeah. there, so. Um, coming out of the my last year of the, the U18 league, I played for the, the Brandon Wheat Kings, my hometown team. I had yeah. finally made it my third year. Uh, I'd been cut both years before and, and had to go somewhere else. So after um, that year, I uh, do you know the Leslie brothers at all? Do you know the, that name? Well, Leslie. Chad and Troy Leslie. Sounds familiar. Very familiar. So they're southwest. Uh, I think they were somewhere around Vernon. They, yeah. they were born and raised big hockey guys and anyways troy was the the general manager of verdon at the time head coach and then his brother chad was uh the head scout for the team and and, uh at that time you could still protect players anywhere in the league right so uh they ended up protecting me and that summer i i ended up losing about 40 40 to 42 pounds getting myself in shape. I was a big kid, right? So not too mobile and uh, (laughs) I had to lose some pounds. Yeah. And uh, I got myself down to around 195 and and went in there next, the next year, won a, won a spot on the, on the back end, ended up playing with, um, you know, the best man on the team and kind of being a safety valve for him, uh, learning from him and then, um, didn't really gain any college interest after that year. Right. Uh, but my head coach, Troy was, uh, he helped me a ton where we, we put a lot of video together to send out. Because I wasn't one of those kids where people were coming to me. Yeah, I, had had to to go, I had to go to the Recruit people. yourself. I had to recruit myself. Um, and I had heard that's what people had done before. So I was like, why not give it a shot? Worst case, yeah. I just go to university after junior and, yeah. you know, start my life and, and get on with it. So um, we had put some videos together, uh, a couple clips of, like, skill work and my, my feet and all that stuff. And, and, uh, and whatever it takes to be a defenseman nowadays. But... <laughs> um, Send it out to some teams and Bemidji ended up uh, coming to one of my games in Winkler. And it ended up being um, Teddy Belisle, who's also a First Nations. Um, I was just
4: about to ask you if it was Teddy Belisle. Teddy's from Thunder Bay. Yeah, yeah
5: he's from Ontario. Uh, currently works for LA. Yeah. Um, and he uh, he ended up recruiting me, giving me an offer. And, uh, you know, that. so that summer after my what is it there? 15, 15 16. 16. Here, yep. After that season, they had come to me and said, hey, look, we're not sure if we're going to bring you in. We're unsure of what our lineup's going to look like and all that sort of stuff. And in college, you typically run with anywhere from eight to 10 defensemen. Yeah. Um, now, if you're asking me, hey, do you want to go in and sit and be the 10th guy? I'm like, no, I'll just go, <laughs> I'll go back to junior. And uh, he ended up calling me two days before they needed to submit their, their lineup, their mm. roster. And said hey we're gonna need you um would you want to come in and i said yeah when well i'll give it a shot i was going in there expecting to be the eighth or ninth guy um do the first year of school and, and and whatever right so um ended up going in there uh winning the first power play spot winning the first pk spot um and all that came from work in the summer right getting yeah. myself prepared and, and i was kind of going in there with zero expectations and um not uh, not by not being naive at all i was just that's that's what i was faced with yeah. um and then after getting in there kind of getting comfortable getting my feet wet i ended up playing with a kid named justin beaudry you'll know that name um so juice we call him, was my d partner for the two years there and, and uh you know we were playing you know a lot per night we were asked to do a lot and he was on the second power play and we killed penalties together and all that sort of stuff so um after that first year i was uh you know invited to la development camp went there got some experience there, I got to see what NHL players looked like. Before that I had been to maybe one NHL game and I was with my dad and uh, when the Jets came back to, to Winnipeg I went to watch the Bruins. And uh, But other than that, zero NHL experience mm-hmm. and um, got to go there, see what uh, you know LA looked like, all that sort of stuff, see how guys train, see how guys eat, see what the equipment's like, see what coaches are like, all that sort of stuff. Went back, had a good year at Bemidji my second year. Um, and then, as you guys know, just went through the process trying to, you know, narrow down teams and, and pick the best one for me. And, um, you know, I ended up just kind of having a, a moment to myself where I, you know, saw the opportunity here. It wasn't going to be right away. It wasn't going to be within the first two years. I wasn't going to be in the NHL. Uh, and I was okay with that. I needed to go through some stepping stones, and, as you guys know, to develop. And yeah. being a defenseman in the league is hard, right? You can't, you know, you don't see too many young guys come in and, it takes a lot to be a defenseman because, you know, the first thing you have to do is be able to defend the best players in the world. If you can't do that, you're not going to play. Yeah. Um, so it takes time to learn that. And, you know, obviously with, you know, our team in Chicago where we went on a deep playoff run, we had a lot of good guys there. As you mentioned before, Hager and I, you know, played together yeah. the whole year, played the whole playoffs. Um, and essentially just went through the growing pains together of how to be a pro defenseman. Um, and now obviously that's, I think that chemistry is transferred over, you know, these past couple of years and, um, you know, Hager and I have. You know, we take a lot of pride in our game. Being younger guys on the back end of uh, of an older group, right? Um, so we're we're uh, we take a lot of pride in making sure that you know we take care of our job on the ice. Make sure that you know we're, whoever we're playing against, we're shutting them down and, and producing offense at the same time, right? And... Um, yeah, that's. I guess that, I went on from Verdon to yeah. Bemidji. To, I, like uh, the whole, Bemidji I like the whole update uh, yeah. Of yeah. present day. And, and, and the
3: small little detail you wouldn't know is Dave and I were kind of – I don't know if you guys were there in your – when you were being uh, – when George McPhee was trying to sign you. Remember we were in oh, Detroit? Oh, we were in Detroit, Yeah, remember in the lobby bar. Shockingly, David we surprise. were at the lobby and bar. And George had come out, and he, he just said, Oh, yeah, I've been working really hard to get this kid we really want from college. <laughs> his good, D man or whatever, and then uh, sure enough, the next thing we knew, you were signed. He might have even said Bemidji State. Yeah, yeah, like, I don't sure, think he said your name, but it was well, you. like it was. You. Yeah. He was very excited yeah. to try and get it done. Yeah, so. it's
5: uh, George. George was incredible to me through that whole experience, and you know, even to this day, you know, George is one of the best people I've ever met. Um, treats people the right way, and he treats you know everyone in the organization the right way, right? So. Um, and that spreads you know through your your whole organization to the players and and to the staff and all those sorts of things right and um no I, I I can't thank him enough for for providing me with an opportunity to to get my feet wet in the NHL and um just obviously have the chance to be able to play in this organization and work my way up to um you know being able to first play and then you know obviously try and help the team win and then obviously to be able to um, you know, for them to see in me to, to be able to sign an extension and, and, you know, be in a place where I've, you know, called home for the past four years now. Um, to get that chance to, you know, work towards the Stanley Cup with this team for, for the re- remaining future, right, is, is something that I, I'm super grateful for. And, you know, I take a tremendous amount of pride in.
4: Who's the first person you thought of when you signed, after you signed your extension, after you had a little financial stability?
5: yeah so that what's funny about that is uh growing up my dad used to come here for uh billiards tournaments all the time oh. um pretty pretty good pool player um your father's name is tim tim yeah tim and donna are my parents and uh, every year the trip would come around months leading up i'd beg my mom to go to vegas with my dad um she said no it's no place for kids <laughs> you know and i'd i'd i'd, uh, I'd cry and, and do all that stuff right and you know, 14, 15 came around, you know, I'm older now, can I go? She's like, no, it's no place for kids. All right. And then, uh, you know, roll the clock forward. I'm, I'm sitting in my agent's place, um, and finally decide that it was going to be Vegas. And, uh, the first person I phoned was my mom and said, you can't tell me what to do anymore. <laughs> you know, you're not going to tell me not to do this one. So I, I told her I'm going to Vegas and you know, she laughed and she, she cried. I think she saw the, the uh the hilarity and i think just it's just weird how it works where you know you're something you're never allowed to do in your entire life maybe that drove me to that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but i think also just the opportunity here and and then obviously i phoned my dad and you know he was pretty emotional it's uh you know growing up it's something that we never once thought of you know this kid's gonna play in the nhl and you know i didn't even think about it until my second year of college where i was like hey maybe this is actually a possibility because I'm a pretty realistic person. Yeah. I, I'm not I'm not going to sell myself short on anything. I I'm I'm very straight up with myself. And I was like, hey, this probably won't work out. But let's go and give it a shot. And, uh, you know, lo and behold. So that was kind of funny how it worked out with my mom. So well, that
0: was March 8th, 2018, you signed a contract. March 10th, a couple of days later, you joined the team in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. You and I met before the game. And I'll never forget this. After a little chit chat, you go back to your spot in the press box to watch the game. But before you left, you said, Dan, do you happen to have some paper and pencil? And I said, well, sure. Why? And the answer was, yeah, take notes, take notes take on the notes. game. Yeah, I, well,
4: I sat beside him. He filled you gave him two sheets. You were a little stingy. <laughs> <laughs> But you filled every Dan was you filled, paper at You that filled, time. <laughs> you filled both sides of both sheets. Like it was, it wasn't two or three notes. You watched the whole game and didn't stop writing.
5: Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, obviously, I, I didn't expect to to get a game. You know, the team was at a time where it was extremely successful, and obviously, you know, you guys could go on forever about what that season meant and and uh, how that felt, and you know how the team was playing down the stretch, but. You know, I didn't expect to get in a game, but the, the time I was going to be there was, was a time to learn and try and get myself ready to, to go to the American League and, and try and turn myself into a pro and, and all those sorts of things. So I was watching guys like, uh, you know, Derek Englund was a big one, where, you know, he was a guy that could defend against, you know, any line that you had out there. And, and then you had Nabby and, and uh, you know, all these sorts of guys, right, and, um So being able to learn from those guys and take notes, that was something, you know, that I wanted to... Um, make sure that i kind of looked after on my end because the team trusted me enough to to sign me to a contract um you know so I, I wanted to put the best foot forward and try and try and learn as much as i could with the time i had with the big club because um, you never know you could go to the american league and never make it back right so um you know just trying to trying to be a pro right off the hop and and uh, do the best i could
0: and then it was a few weeks later we already mentioned your debut which was against edmonton you were plus three in that game yeah, I don't know how. So, like, what was what were those few weeks
5: like leading up to that, that first game?
0: Uh, and then getting in and being plus three in your debut. Yeah,
5: there was no nerves, right? Because I I didn't expect, like I said, I didn't expect to get in the game. If it happened, great. You know, I was ready for it, um, whether I thought I was ready for it or not. You know, I don't think any kid really is, um, especially in a building like like uh, Edmonton, right, where it, you know, it holds 20,000, you're playing against McDavid and Dreisaitl, and uh, you know, I got caught out there a few times against him, so I was just trying to stay in between the dots and <laughs> and keep my stick out there, but, um, you know, the weeks leading up, it was, I think it was, you know, everyone was texting me, you know, you're going to get it in and it's like, hey, I know as much as you do, I, I don't know anything, and then, you know, obviously Turk told me, uh, you know, the day before the game that you we were going to get in tomorrow night, and they were obviously arresting a few guys coming down the stretch, so, you know, I was lucky enough to get in the game, and get some experience, and and uh, you know that's a moment I'll never forget. Having my family there, my billet family, um, all these people that you know helped me get from level to level, and uh, it just comes full circle, right? And you see those people after the game. Those are the people that you know, my billet family especially. Those are the people I used to come home to after junior games, where you know hockey was like we never envisioned anything about college, NHL. It was just junior hockey. You know what I mean? And you know I thought those times were tough, where it was like you come home after a bad game and you know, you're kind of potent and all this stuff, right? And, and now when they see me out there playing in the NHL, it's it's cool for them and it's cool for me just for, to have them there and, and be able to see that um, after all the things we went through, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. we've talked about watching the games. You, know, you watch the Golden Knights in these moments that we're talking about. But you've said that you don't necessarily watch other hockey games. How do you think about that? Watching yourself, watching other teams? <laughs> Playing the game is the preference, but how about watching?
5: Yeah, I think every guy's different, right? Um, I've, I've always kind of been like that where I've, over my career, I've found different ways to, to get a break. Because once you start playing 82 a year, and, and you'll know, too, you probably had different ways of... I never watched hockey. Yeah, you, you have when different I play, ways. I played I do now. But yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't before. You just have different ways, whether guys have families, getting away with the family for a day if it's a day off, or or whatever it is, um, guys have just different techniques where to get themselves fresh for the next game, they just have different ways of doing that, right? And, you know, some guys like to watch hockey the night before, some guys don't. You know, I, you know, Hager and I go over our clips typically the next day with uh, our D coach, Johnny Stevens, and we go over all the good and the bad and, and uh, go over all that stuff. So I do watch, obviously, stuff on, on ourselves and, and whatever that is. Um, it's not that I don't like watching hockey, it's just that I'm going to play the next day so I don't, I don't need to to watch and I, I, don't, I don't scoreboard watch a ton either. I just worry about what I got to do the next day and what our team's doing and kind of where we're sitting. I don't, I don't know, because people always ask me and they're like, you don't like hockey? And it's like, no, it's, I'd rather go hit golf balls or like, you know, go, go grab a beer somewhere, or like do something like that just to disconnect. Yeah, Shane likes that idea. get <laughs> yeah, that, that a lot because you know I, would I, mean. des-
0: <laughs> I would describe you, Zach, as a student of the game. You know, our first interaction yeah. uh, perhaps was a good first impression, but you know, if there's also a you know, everything in moderation mm-hmm. is what comes to mind, and that might work for a hockey player, but I think that works for all as- yeah.
5: aspects yeah, of yeah, life. It doesn't matter what career you're in, right? Too much of one thing is sometimes a bad thing, right? And I, I love the game of hockey. I'll play till I until I can't walk, till I die, whatever it is, I'll, I'll play that game. Um, it's something I've, you know, since I was two, you know, I, I'd spend eight hours at the outdoor rink in a day and I'd spend, I'd go there until the lights went off. Like, it's just something that's embedded in me where I don't get tired of it. But on those days where I'm in between games, you just, you need to get away. You need to disconnect yourself from, from the game and, and the stresses it brings, the highs it brings, the lows it, it can bring too, right? Um, and like I said, different guys have different methods of that, whether it's, you know, for me, it's going to the range and hitting golf balls or playing nine holes and getting out and getting some sun rather than staying on the couch all day inside or watching movies because some guys will rest that way. But for me, resting is getting out and moving, taking the dogs for a hike, you know, getting out, getting, getting sun, getting, like, out in nature and that sort of stuff. That refreshes me. And, you know, it's, I found different ways to do it. And what works for me, I'm, I'm not going to let anyone tell me, hey, you shouldn't do that. You know what I mean? If I go to the course and you play 18 holes the next day and you go and you have a great game, then do, do what works for you. That's <laughs> Revo taught me that. And he's a big proponent of that, right? Like Do what works for you, not what works for other guys. Because everyone does things differently and finds different ways to su- succeed, right? You so. mentioned
2: the golf part, Zach, and you play at Southern Highlands. Beautiful track here in Vegas. Um, what's your favorite place to play and where, what's on the you got a bucket list where do you want to go play
5: I want to go up to Bandon Dunes yeah I want to uh, I want to make a little trip up there um, been meaning to get around to it the past couple summers but it's it's tough right because you it's easy to go up there for eight days and not get sick of it mm-hmm. right so um, you know but for me I think I, I love Southern Highlands it's it's the way I explain it to people is I can play this course seven times in a week and not get sick of it because yeah. you can play from different tees and you'll hit different shots yeah. and all that sort of stuff but for me I, I don't think anything beats shadow shadows yeah. and I think that's where uh, you know when teams come in to have their rookie parties and things like that they'll go out there and play for the day and it's it's just a whole different world out there yeah. right so
2: who's the best golfer on the team <laughs>
5: you uh, um, you know Stevie Stevie would probably be up there I think Stevie you know Nabby's a good player uh, stony as well um Petr- ben, ben hutton sandbagger i'll get that out on the air is petro a
4: bit of a sleeper
5: petro's a very big sleeper he's a good player he launches the ball too right he swings super hard he doesn't care where it goes but he swings He claims on. he's better than all you guys yeah that sounds about right <laughs> <laughs>
4: Sounds,
2: right. sounds right. uh zach a couple more away from the arena away from the rink questions um Music, what are you listening to? You put your AirPods in, what comes into
5: them? Uh, I'm kind of all over the map. I listen to some old school rock, I'll, I'll switch it up to country, to uh, rap, whatever it is. Some of that old school rap, I like that. Um, usually whatever is kind of recommended on my Spotify, like if yeah. I'm golfing, I'll just I'll put whatever on. Yeah. If I'm golfing with my dad, there's got to be certain tunes on that way, yeah, so yeah. He, you know, <laughs> put certain stuff on for him um no but other than that i'm, I'm kind of i'm relaxed i listen to whatever
3: whatever the group's listening to yeah is
5: golf the main
3: hobby we did a thing with will Carey. like he builds houses he fixes everything you're not uh mechanically inclined like that or do you have no any of those special skills like uh will do you build no, you don't I, build houses
5: i could change a tire if you need me okay. to. No, that's, uh, that's, I, that's I good could, uh could you can you do that yeah no, you call CAA for sure. No, I yes, can change the Yes, he does, for sure. <laughs> no. I just love it. My dad
4: was a farmer and an <laughs> elevator mechanic. I can change the tire. Okay. We Formal. had to change. We, I'm old enough. None of, you, see, none of you guys remember this. You certainly are. We had to change <laughs> our summer tires for winter tires. I had to do every fall. You did that? What are you talking about? Well, everybody does that for Manitou. You're not the only one.
5: Okay. <laughs> With the it's chain a, the chains on the winter tires. no chains you just
3: got there's just winter tires in canada you switch <laughs> yeah in the season uh
5: but yeah i'd say golf golf's the main hobby um mm-hmm. uh, my girlfriend and i we have two golden retrievers that we oh, no. uh we like to take on hikes and and uh get them out and get them moving they're a little a little sick right now yeah. so we're getting into the heart of winter here so we uh take them for a few more walks and and uh but i think that's what we like to do we like you know we're we like the, the little food spots, too, away from the strip. We like going and checking out little things like that, um, those sorts of things. And my, my girlfriend's dad's actually a really good player, too, so I go and play quite a bit with him. When, Team, uh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Uh,
4: team's on the road going out to dinner. Who do you want to sit beside?
5: When we go out on the road? Yeah.
4: Who's funnier, picks good wine or whatever?
5: Yeah, Phil's always good to sit beside. Oh, yeah? Why's yeah. that? Oh, he's just funny. He's, yeah. got, he's just got something, something going, something to say. Um, honestly, I, I love going to dinner with all the guys, because I think we have such a tight group where, you know, you're going to take shots from everyone and I think, you know, that's, that's my favorite part about our group is that we're we're so close and everyone, you know, makes fun of one another and has fun with each other, but at the end of the day, we go out and compete and, and try to, you know, pull in the same direction, right? And I think, you know, the probably the best one to sit beside, I think, is Marchi. He knows his way around a wine list. No, he mean? just doesn't shut up, right? He, he doesn't. Uh, in two I mean, we've heard that right? before. In two languages. He right? doesn't stop talking, right? So he, uh, he's, you know, he's chirping someone at all times, and you guys see on the ice in practice. He's, he's usually on my case too. We, uh, we go back and forth a little bit, so he's usually on, on my, on my case. But he's, you know, I, I, uh, grown to know that guy a lot too, right? So he's, uh, he's fun to be around. Um, you know, who are some other Marty? Mar- you know, Marty's undercover funny guy really funny so a lot of good guys to sit beside what about routine so Dave
3: talked you got your pods in you're getting ready for the game do you have the same thing you do every game routine superstitions anything that uh, gets you ready uh, or do you not want to say
5: so just are you talking about like game day, game, or day are we talking- game
3: day like getting ready from when you get to the rink on game day for the game
5: um, a weird one is actually I gotta sit in the cold tub for at least like yeah, forty-five weird. seconds to a minute, full body, and try and yeah. try and get through that. That's said what
3: fifty? What's that? What's the temperature?
5: Uh, and I think it's anywhere 45 from forty-five to, to, 50, to fifty, somewhere yeah. around there. Um, I don't know why. It's just one of those things where like I get my like mentally, you gotta grind through it. So i'm just trying to get ready for it i actually had a coach after first period tell me to jump in there come on to wake up yeah yeah that happens (laughs) i've had that one before too um other than that you know no no specific like like if i get a different meal it's not going to throw me off tie
3: right take right skate first anything like that or so i
5: i do do my laces a certain way um, which if they're i have to do them the right way every single game so i change them every single game that other than that like my sticks You know, nothing crazy there Mm. Um, on the ice and warm up nothing there other than that i just go out and play Mm. skates is a weird one i've I've done it since college Um, actually justin beaudry my d partner did his a certain way and i was like oh that's kind of cool and i've always been doing it since um so i think that would be the only one Mm. other than that like if i don't sleep if i don't have a nap like my world doesn't come crashing down we're gonna be okay Um, usually what i do is like if i have like a 30 minute nap compared to a two hour nap i'm like that's all I need. My body's ready to go. We're, we're buzzing. Saying? We're going. Um, yeah, no. Other who, than that, who has the most? Then, you know, actually, we don't have too many guys that are like. I've heard of some guys where it's like on the minute, yeah. they got to be doing this specific thing, and then I like when the clock hits, etc. Then they start doing. But we, I don't think we have any guys like that. If we do, I don't know. Okay. I just kind of stay in my lane.
0: That's perfect. Yeah, worked out well for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zach, you've
5: had a
0: great run here with the Golden Knights and many more opportunities here upcoming so far what are the most memorable moments for you whether it's on the ice or off the ice
5: you know i think you know mem (laughs) our our team rock rock creek trip every year i think that that creates new memories um why it's just a time where you know you're not worrying about hockey uh, the guys can just be the guys. There's no one else around. Uh, I don't know if I need to explain that. It's, it's our owner's ranch, right? So it's, I've been there. Yeah, yeah. I don't my, know if I need to explain it for the podcast that. or not. But yeah. uh, Bill uh, has a ranch up in up in Montana, and you know he's uh, very generous and, and uh, brings the team up to allow everyone to kind of mesh and get get to know each other, right? In golf, ATV, whatever it is um just having that time to you know not think about hockey and guys can just sit there you know have a beer with one another relax and just get to know one another if there's new guys coming in uh they get a chance to meet guys and even for young guys you know when i was a young guy making that trip was the best thing in the world because you always heard about it you know what i mean from the older guys you always heard about you know how fun this place is and it's such a great time and and then uh you know when you finally get to go on and my first trip was actually with. you know, Hague, Cogs, and, and Glass, or us four, had made the trip, and, uh, you know, we had a blast. You're just around the older guys, and, you know, obviously, you're the young guys of the group, right? So you're getting to know people, and, and uh, you know, you're the one get standing up, giving speeches and all that sort of stuff, getting uncomfortable and all that, so... Giving speeches, yeah, like? Yeah, uh, whatever, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, behind the uh, scenes. Yeah, whatever. They're just kind of, like, welcoming to the team, right? And um, and it's just a chance for the guys to like, just be the guys and hang out and no distractions and stuff like that So that and you know obviously all the playoff runs I think you know the one we went through in the bubble where you're in there for I think what was it close to 70 days? 70 days we were in there for and you know you get to you're only spending it with the guys, right? so those were times where you reflect on the things that you went through to to get there and obviously we came up short against Dallas, but um, I think those memories each playoff run presents itself with different challenges different memories good and bad um and then even two years ago when we played minnesota winning that game in seven or winning that series in seven games was something that i'll remember forever just the atmosphere and how hard that series was because they had such a big physical team right And, and uh you know we as a defenseman you know i was getting i was getting hit every single time i touched the puck i was getting run through a wall and it's just the way that series went, just how intense it was and how physical it was and how much of a bloodbath it was. It was just so much fun, and it, you know, just reminds you of what hockey should be like, right? And it's just, I don't know, it was just fun.
2: Well, thank you for this, Zach. Hopefully, your on-ice memories, there are even some better ones to come here down the Absolutely. road over the next few months. But uh, we can't thank you enough for uh, being our special guest on the 100th episode of
0: slg Thanks again for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, I appreciate it. That was Zach Whitecloud joining us at Bar Canada at the D. Coming up, we talk with Mike Palm, VP of Operations at the D, and then trade deadline talk. This is SLGND, presented by the D Hotel. Catch the Golden Knights on their push to the playoffs with the Stretch Run Plan, available now at vegasgoldenknights.com. Each plan comes with a ticket to three games in March and April, plus a VGK branded bucket hat, with prices starting at $299. The stretch run plan, available now at VegasGoldenKnights.com. Our next guest is Mike Palm, VP of Operations at the D, who talks to us about Bar Canada at the D's Hockey Bar, the D's support of the Lil Knights program, which goes back to 2017, and the growth of the local hockey community. Once again, here's Dave.
2: Mike, we were joking earlier. We used to do our podcast at Andiamo, and then the COVID world happened. So thanks for having us back here. Uh, It's long, long, long overdue.
1: Well, we love to have you guys out here. We've built so much around the Golden Knights. At first, I thought I walked in, I thought I was on the Ground Control Podcast for the Winnipeg Jets. It's a heavy Manitoba connection here. (laughs) Too many. (laughs) Too many. (laughs) It's good. You need that.
2: You can't get away from it. That's character. Hey, so tell us, uh, you get a big check presentation coming up this weekend, this Sunday, our home game against Montreal. Tell us about it.
1: Well, you know, it's exciting, and Derek has been very supportive of the Little Knights program, and he's going to present a check for six figures once again he, you know big in youth sports back in detroit he built a baseball complex and supportive of the little knights program i'm going to be on the ice with him and his wife and my son and stepdaughter my son went through the little knights program he's in a house league now he just turned seven and my daughter's in her second session of little knights so they're going to be with us and just this community how it's embraced the knights and you know i i read about it what it did in phoenix with all the youth programs and what it's doing here, all the different rinks um, that are supporting it. I mean, my son was born basically a year and a half ahead of the Knights. And with, you know, we having a suite there, he got to, at a very young age, watch the Knights games from before he was even two years old. And I mean, I went to his kindergarten graduation last year and, you know, his presentation was, I want to be a Golden Knight. So he started skating lessons at age three and now he's into the hockey and He's a left winger, and uh, he's so excited. How old is he now? Seven. Just turned so seven. So we got about yeah.
2: 11, 12 years. Expect yeah. <laughs> him on the ice at T-Mobile. Yeah. You have yeah. that to look forward to
3: it. It's fantastic. And you talk about that, and Derek's been instrumental in, in supporting, uh, uh, you know, the growth of hockey here. But is it maybe, you know, when he first started to see how fast he said your son and to see probably other kids that age. Just, for me, I, I had big expectations for it, but it blows me away how fast the game has grown here. It's
1: been one of the attractions why I wanted to see it, but it's, I think it's incredible. What's, well, you know, part due to heat, but it's, it's bigger than baseball. I mean, where I come from, you know, baseball, I played hockey as a youth, but baseball was obviously yeah. big for everybody. Hockey is little league baseball now in Las yeah. Vegas, right? Where m- most kids are getting involved, and it's great how many young girls are getting involved. Where we go to Las Vegas Ice Center on Flamingo, because it's close yeah. to where I live. They just started a girls' hockey league on Saturday. And all girls have had some, some support and, and started that, and it's terrific. I mean, on my son's team, the two goaltenders are girls, and they're, they're great. I, I tell them, you know, all these kids now, they want a you know, butterfly, so you've got to learn to shoot high. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, the, um, the connection with the Golden
2: Knights, could you ever have imagined it would turn everything it has? I mean, it's easy to see there now in 2023, but back up the calendar to the summer of 2017.
1: I I like to go back to the spring of 2018 and game one of the Western Conference Finals against Winnipeg. Now we lose that game, right? And it looked like we didn't belong in the same series with them. But we had a watch party out at at the downtown Las Vegas event center just a block behind here. 5,100 people came out and it was 95 degrees and it was brutal heat to support the Knights. And part of that, the reason we tore out our showroom here and built this Bar Canada, uh, which is a hockey bar, but specifically a Vegas Golden Knights bar, I, it's become a significant part of our business. I mean, when de- depending on if the Knights make a deep playoff run versus they don't make the playoffs or they're out in the first round, is a is a you know a mid six figure difference in the revenue for us because of how much the Knights generate people coming out. Coming to a bar, coming here and having dinner and watching the nights with us. And and so, you know, we're a big fan of all the positive moves they're (laughs) making. And then, you know, some of
0: my great memories, Mike, are the, the events that we've had outside here on Fremont, but hanging out in here, and we've got to have another one earlier this season. I mean, some of these great visuals that we have from our recent night's memory, a lot of them have been right here on your front door.
1: Yeah, the fan fest right after the Stanley Cup Finals appearance, about almost 9,000 people there at that intersection out here at Third and third Fremont. Did another great event this year with the fan fest. Yeah. I thought I got to meet all the knights. It's terrific for me and, and Logan Thompson and, uh, and and the crew. I mean, it's great and the relationships that these guys, these hockey players, and you know Shane, they're, they're such pillars in the community. Yeah. The, the the work that they do, they, they they keep their nose clean, and they just go out and support a community. And, and you know, there's so many Raiders fans, and they come from Southern California to support the team. But they'll never be what the Knights are because the Knights were born here, right? And it's their own team. And people sometimes don't grasp that. We might get an NBA team, maybe a baseball, maybe Oakland A's come here, but nothing's going to compare to what the Knights have done.
4: What do you think of this year's team?
1: You know. I was a little concerned and they've come out of the, the All-Star break and played very well. Um, the West is interesting. The West is very, very interesting. I was just looking at the odds today, you know, the Knights are favored to win the Pacific and they sit atop the Western Conference, yet they're actually the third choice to win the West behind the Avs uh, and behind Edmonton. I'm, t- I'm still trying to figure that out a little bit. I know the. The Pacific Division has been a little bit up and down, and you know, the Kraken have their nose in there, Calgary's kind of having a down year. Um, I've been impressed, the game against, they lose the game against Dallas, they lose the second point, but that was a hell of a hockey game. Last night, you know, I've never, and I'm a betting guy, I've never put Carolina in my portfolio in the playoffs, just because I think they're too European based and it's hard in those long series, but Burns, you know, Brenda adding Burns, I think, is a key factor. And Brenda Moore's style, you have to go out and beat Caroline on any given. They don't give any games. They play so hard. They play hard, and you have to go beat them. And the Knights went and beat them last night. And a very good game. You know, you could have got down. The first goal was a little soft that tied it up, and then they tied it again. But they just keep coming back here, this team. And uh, they've shown a lot of resilience. And, uh, you know, now you pick up Jonathan Quick to bolster the troops. I mean, you can make an argument. He's one of the greatest American born goalies of all time, you know, with Barrasso and, and Richter, I think. And um, I, I think there's a lot of positive signs right now here. And the good news is your first two rounds are in the Pacific uh, and you, you don't, you're only gonna ha- probably have to face Colorado or Dallas, you know, or you don't have to, you don't have to go through those other teams in the, in the Central.
2: You know what you're talking about, Mike? We're going to talk to him when we're done here about maybe doing some TV work with us. What do you think about
1: that? No, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> tell, me about, tell me about the Bruins. I know you called the Bruins for...
2: Uh, they've, they've had a pretty good year. Decent. Yeah. In. And yeah. I got to take, right? take it on... Take like, it on them uh, at
1: 35 to 1. Oh, good. Excellent. But for the, only for the reason I bet Jim Montgomery wherever he goes. Jim Montgomery is a winner and he plays a style that's different from the net out. He won in my hometown with the Dubuque Fighting Saints. He won at the University of Denver. He probably would have won in Dallas. That was his team that made the finals if he didn't you know, get himself out of line there. I just think the guy's a winner and they've had an incredible season. Still have a heck of an East to get through. Well,
2: we, uh, t- we joke around, but you see Boston's loading up, Toronto's yep. loading up, Tampa's made some moves. The Rangers, the Rangers Jersey getting Meyer. Yeah. There's teams that are gonna be out in the first round. Yep. But what do you do? If you have to keep it, up. How
1: know? about if you're the Maple Leafs? You, you, all you got to do is beat, beat Tampa Bay and then beat Boston. Right. I mean, look at their path. The path yeah. is so difficult. Either side. Yeah.
2: It's, uh, <laughs> that's why it's you know you end up winning. I mean, Shane was part of a Stanley Cup team in Boston in 2011. You, you get to win 16 games. That's, that's it. A,
1: the countdown to 16. Oh, it's, yeah, tough. It's, it's It's it. not
2: easy. Mm-hmm. Mike, thanks for your time. Yes. We appreciate this. Thanks for having us here. We
1: yes. love having you here, and the more we can do it, the better. Great. Awesome. Mike Palm thanks, Mike. joining us. Thanks,
2: Mike, from the D here on
0: SLGND. Thank you. This is SLGND presented by the D Hotel. There's something for everyone at the Dollar Loan Center, including the Henderson Silver Knights, the NBA's G League Ignite, the Big West Basketball Championships, and the Vegas Nighthawks. Check out the DollarLoanCenter.com. A complete event schedule, and to get your tickets to Henderson's new home for entertainment. We wrap up today's show with Trade Deadline Talk. Vegas has acquired Ivan Barbashev from St. Louis, Teddy Bluger from Pittsburgh, and by way of Columbus, Los Angeles Kings goalie Jonathan Quick. Once again, here's Dave.
2: And finally here on SLGND, guys, um, it, Trade Deadline, we were talking with Zach Whitecloud about this, you know, we're kind of 24 hours out as we sit here right now. Um, well, the Golden Knights have been active. Of course, the first move they made was Ivan Barbashev. But how about the most recent one? You know, I've said this in years past, Dan, when the Golden Knights have made certain moves that y- you can't make this crap up. Jonathan Quick, a member of the Vegas Golden Knights after, what, a decade in L.A., two Stanley Cups, winning as goaltender in team history. And first off, he gets traded to Columbus. I don't know if anyone saw that happen. I don't think he saw that <laughs> happening. And then... I don't think he spent a day in Columbus right back to the Golden Knights here to stay out west. It's, you know, it's unbelievable. What
0: do you think the people in Los Angeles
2: think oh, right what, now? What's oh, golden. my gosh. Imagine I mean, that playoff series I mean, if that happens.
0: Yeah. I mean, the teams do play each other in Vegas April 6th, so yeah. I can guess who's going to start that one for Vegas. Yeah. Here he's such a competitive guy, and one of the most competitive postseason sweeps that we have ever seen was the Knights knocking out the Kings in four first round. The Knights won every single game, but every single game was razor close. Yeah. And Jonathan Quick was fantastic. Mark andre Fleury was just a hair better. But, you know, I mean, that, that was, you know, one of the great postseason goaltending performances we've seen in now six postseasons. And, uh, yeah, he's wrapping up the 10th year of a 10-year deal he signed just after they won the first cup in 2012. Can you imagine saying to Jonathan Quick, hey, by the way, in the last month of your contract you're going to get traded having been the best goaltender in franchise history and by the way it's going to be a division rival that you end up playing for and the team is going to be in las vegas nevada like can you imagine <laughs> that
2: it's let me ask you this shane i mean they're at this spot for a variety of reasons right logan thompson injured yeah. lauren brossois injured aiden hill just coming back from injury he was deemed expendable by the Kings. They traded him, right? Jonathan Quick. How much does he have left in the tank at 37, do you think, at this point?
3: Well, he'll show us, right? Yeah. And I think, if anything, and I saw Daryl Sutter speak on it, somebody asked him a question, and you know, if you ask Daryl Sutter a question, you usually don't get an answer. They asked him about Jonathan Quick. He gave a long answer about the Warrior, the competitor, and he said, uh, I guarantee wherever he ends up, he's going to come back to prove people wrong and that's the mentality he has he has an old school mentality so you know the trades happen i read all this crap and people are like why you know look at his numbers well there's intangibles that don't show up on the stats they said the
4: same thing when they traded for alec martinez
3: there you cannot look at it in this circumstance well and people are gonna sure that's great that's how they view the game there's certain ways to view it and then there's other ways i'm telling you right now that room they're gonna get a bump from him coming in, how he plays. We're not asking him to play a full season. They're not looking for him to play 40, 50 games. Well, they're going to need him in playoffs, possibly. He's going to have to earn that job too as well because Aiden Hill's played really well and depending on health, who else comes back. But right now, they don't have health. They only have one goalie with NHL experience in Aiden Hill. And I think you you can't overstate how important playoff experience is. This guy's been a number one, but the thing that I love about him is he's an absolute competitor. And I guarantee number one on his list for revenge is the LA Kings because he guaranteed he was not happy with that trade. And I don't think a lot of the guys on the team were. That's the business side of it. So, you know, the Kings probably made the best move for their organization. But that said, Jonathan Quick will be more motivated more than ever in his career, I believe, since he's won the Stanley Cup to come back and prove people wrong and that's a human emotion that is very powerful for a guy that still has a pretty good skill set so I'm, I'm I think this is terrific and I think he's gonna come in that room guys are gonna battle for him there and he's gonna have a lot of experience I think he'll be a great influence on the other goaltenders because of it uh, I'm, I'm excited about this one
4: yeah to me throw the numbers out the, the situation that they've had in LA is you know, he's gone through Guy was at the top of the hockey world, and then they kind of went through a rebuild. He's taken, seen a lot of rubber for a few years, and uh, yeah, he is 37. And where his mind was, you know, in L.A., we, we don't know. We know where it is now. Like, there's – he wanted to come here. He wanted to come to Vegas. He let it be known to some of his former teammates. If I'm going to play anywhere this year, he was not reporting to Columbus. He just wasn't going to go there. So he you know, basically said to his agent, get me to Vegas. And he's in Vegas now. And he's here for a reason. He believes he's going to get a chance to play the Los Angeles Kings at some point in time, other than just April 6th. And he wants to be part of that. That's, uh, <laughs> he, he's fierce. Yeah. He, 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 there's, he is we're, fierce. We're revenge is word. in the picture here. This is going to be fun.
2: It's great stuff. Can't believe it. Uh, what do you think? Of make, what do you make, uh, Gary, the Teddy Bluger acquisition?
4: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Dan and I were on the radio uh, before the game last night, and Mike Russo came in. He was in the building for something else, and he said right away. Uh, we went to break, and he goes, "Yeah, I just got a text from from Bill Garrett. He's not happy. He wanted him." Uh, and I, you know, I made a few calls around the league, and uh, you keep hearing other people saying. We tried for him. We tried for him last year. He's got a really defined role, and he's really good at it. He is a fourth-line center. He's an elite penalty killer. There's like 56 guys in the National Hockey League who have logged 300 penalty kill moments or more in the last three years. He's one of them. He's fourth amongst that group in goals against at four four versus five. So So we're throwing the stats in for this one. (laughs) Yeah. There's no, there's no revenge. I stats that's elsewhere quick, and now <laughs> okay. Well, No, it's true. It, uh, He's a really good penalty killer. Uh, I could have
3: just said that, I guess. Well, I think Bruce Cassidy said it best. Somebody asked him about it about a guy that was scoring and a guy who's really understood the type of role he needed to play. And I think, uh, you know, th- this is a guy that can come in a ton of speed, understand that he, he knows what he is. Yeah. And I think that is so important on a good team is to have guys understand their role and do it the best of their ability. I
4: like the comment. Sorry, Dan, go ahead. I like the combination of moves. I think that they got players. Number one, you know, Barbashev is a guy who went to the Stanley Cup, won a Stanley Cup, and was a really good player for the Blues. The system and the, the way they run things, the culture in Pittsburgh, second to none. That he's going to come in here. He's got a good hockey pedigree. There's not going to be any babysitting with him. He he knows what he please Played with winners. Knows what it takes to win. So I I, I like what those guys are going to do to the forward group. And uh, listen, I love the way they played last night. Blueger is going to add to that, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. You know that if they if they this team can manage to. To to get to the to get to the playoffs at some point in time, you know I don't know if it's midway through a first round or into a second round or wherever it is, you might get Mark Stone back, and you're going to get Nick Waugh back, and potentially well Brasso and Thompson are going to get healthy at some point in time, and the goaltending has been good this year. Like they don't make this trade if the, if those guys don't get hurt, they they needed insurance. They couldn't be in a situation if it, if if, if if Aiden Hill, if Kelly McCrimmon doesn't make an acquisition, and Aiden Hill gets hurt Friday night after the deadline against the Devils, then, you're pa- then your pairing against Montreal on Sunday is Michael Hutchinson and Yuri Patera, and you've got to go on the road next week uh, for a big, big road swing, and you don't have a playoff spot yet. And yeah. uh, like, Kelly McCrimmon had no sure. choice. Yeah. He had
0: yeah. to act. Yeah, he had could. to make that deal. When you look at building out the lineup, centerman now, it's, it's very clear, Jack Eichel... William Carlson, Chandler Stevenson, Teddy Bluger. Those are your four centers. Who knows what other pieces move up and down the lineup? Mark Stone comes back. Nick Watt comes back. But, you know, I'm not sure that there has been that kind of experience for all four center positions at any point in Knight's history. I mean, there have been very good centers that have come through. You mentioned Pierre Gord, Belmar, you know, Cody Eakin, other guys who have been in those spots. But you look at these four. This is the best lineup of four centermen that they've had. Let
2: me ask you this one last question, uh, Gary. Are they, as we sit here now, are they done? Or do no. they still have another piece to the puzzle? And uh, well, if so, where do they look?
4: So here, this, this is what you look at. They made this deal for Quick, and it took time to get it done. And the reason it took time to get it done, McCerman had to convince Yarmo Kekalainen to hold half of Quick's salary and to take Michael Hutchinson in return. So, like, they had the cap space to just say, okay, here's a seven round, seventh-round pick, and uh, we'll take Quick, and we'll, we'll eat his $5.8 million. Well, he didn't. Why? He he wanted, he, wanted, yeah. he he wanted more chips. He's still at the table. They've got, you know, they're under 24 hours now, but he's got $3 million in cap space. So uh, we'll, we'll see what's available. Like, And that's the other thing, you know? Somebody could lose tonight. A GM could lose tonight, and he could decide, okay, I, I gotta, I, I I gotta get some, I gotta get something back for some of my my UFAs. I I can't wait. And then there's not very many people left that buyers that have money have space. You know, maybe something falls in your lap. Like Kelly's gonna be sitting at the table. I would imagine, right
0: to the very end. Eastern yeah. Conference has done a lot of stuff. Yep. And it looks like most of the Eastern teams are kind of done buying, but we see Domi today to Dallas, Bugstad going to Edmonton. You know, there are things happening um, now, more so in the Western Conference as we go down the wire. So it could be it, it's been a, a wild week leading up to the deadline. You know, does the deadline itself look like?
2: Great stuff, guys. Uh, Jack Whitecloud, still 100 of these in the can. Again, hard to believe. Zach Whitecloud joining us, love that. Mike Palm joining us as well. Trade deadline talk. Trade deadline less than twenty-four hours away. We got a lot to live up to for the next SLGND, oh, whatever God. that is. I like
3: our one hundred shirts, Gary. Get that.
2: If you could, right. if you get uh, get some swag here for the pod, that would be great, Gary. Thanks very much. Thanks to everyone here at uh, Bar Canada, one of our favorite spots. Thanks to everyone at the D, and thank you for joining us on the Sheriff Lawless
0: and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. We'll talk to you next time. That's all for episode 100 of SLGND. Thanks for listening. For more interviews, highlights, and previous episodes, visit soundcloud.com slash vegasgoldennights and join us next time on SLGND, presented by the D-Hotel.